to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on Freshly Forever. Today I have here with me Radhika Murari. She is now the CEO of Homemade PB. Uh, and with her initial career days in an IT startup and further to that, she ran numerous businesses with a focus on profitability and employee success. Radhika also ran a successful nonprofit that provided school supplies to over 500 teachers with 85,000 students in public schools all over the United States. She holds leadership positions in nonprofit organizations in her community in addition to contributing countless volunteer hours. It's such a privilege for me to have Radhika here on Freshly Forever. Welcome, Radhika, to the show. Thank you so much, Vai. It's nice to be here. Okay. I just didn't say very much about homemade PB in the intro because we are going to cover quite a bit here. And uh, so how did this journey begin for you? You were in IT and then ran some businesses and did a lot of not-for-profit and volunteering, but why peanut butter now? Well, my um, peanut butter journey began, like a lot of mothers, with um, my son. He's a swimmer, and Mm -hmm. when he was young, he needed um, high-protein, tasty foods that he could have that had very low sugar. And, of course, peanut butter is one of the favorite foods of kids. Um, but I have a strong emphasis coming from my Indian background on having natural, healthy foods. Uh I went to the stores. I looked for natural peanut butter. Um, Many of them were oily and gritty, and they didn't taste very good. In fact, the first few I tried, I thought they they were rancid. And then some of the ones that taste better, they have an addition of an oil that is quite controversial and is not necessarily good for the environment. So I started making my own peanut butter for my son and his friends, and they loved it. Oh, wonderful. And uh, so I guess uh, it started there and it keeps going. Wonderful. So I believe you started this eight years ago in your home, and then you went to farmer's market, and then the story continues. Can you just tell us how how it all began? Um, So... I was hosting a fundraiser in January of 2017, and one of the volunteers for the fundraiser said that she was peckish, and um, I told her I have this homemade peanut butter with apple slices, and she's from California, where they um, have an emphasis on more natural foods, and as soon as she tasted it, she said it was the creamiest, tastiest peanut butter she had ever eaten. And she said, you need to start selling this. You're sitting on a gold mine. Uh-huh. That was the beginning of homemade peanut butter. Oh, that's that's just such a fascinating story right there. So how many flavors did you start with and where are you at today? First that my son and his friends liked. Um, I had I Dream of Creamy, which is just creamy peanut butter. Crunchy Munchy, which is creamy peanut butter with um, peanut pieces added to it. Mm-hmm. chocolate delight um, because the chocolate delight that I make is vegan and gluten-free and it's very, very low in sugar. So um, those were the initial three. And now I think we're up to 10 flavors and we're going to introduce a few more um, early to mid 2021. 
That must be exciting for you. So who wouldn't want chocolate? Who wouldn't want creamy peanut butter? And who wouldn't want the crunchy munchy when, you know, the palate calls for it? So I certainly can imagine your excitement when you started with all of that. And yours is an artisan peanut butter. And so what is your USP, so to speak, your unique selling preposition or your differentiating aspect because there's so many peanut butters out there in the market and when anyone sees it it's sometimes overwhelming on the store shelves i think the first uh, selling point is that we're the we have the largest range of flavors and there are flavors that are unique to us for example no one else has vibrant turmeric mm-hmm. that's a combination of um the two cultures that i'm privileged to be part of my indian culture where of course turmeric is a huge part of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And my American, especially my Virginian culture, where our peanuts are frankly the best in the world. So I think it's a combination of our flavors, the authenticity of our um, ingredients, and the fact that I'm privileged to live in an area that has the best tasting peanuts in the world. Oh, that's that's great news for you right there. And I believe you have received a grant from Fairfax County where you live, and they've recognized your value as a woman entrepreneur. What's your contribution that has been valuable to your community presently with this venture? So the grant that I received is actually a joint grant from the state of Virginia, and it's matched by a grant from Fairfax County. So both entities have to believe in your business for you to get this grant. And um, the reason that Omay Peanut Butter got the grant is because we support Virginia agriculture. All of our peanuts are locally sourced Virginia peanuts. And um, because of COVID, things have slowed down a bit. But when we get into um, a commercial space in a manufacturing facility, we're really hoping to bring some um, high value jobs to the area and bring a little more buzz to our little neck of the woods. Oh, that's excellent. So as I see it, you're still making everything right from the comfort of your home. Is that right? Yeah, my home kitchen is inspected by VDAX, which is the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. So um, since April of 2017, we've been certified to sell uh, peanut butter anywhere in the world. That's great. So how do you plan to support upcoming women entrepreneurs as sort of a giving back to the society? I love this question because um, I feel that I don't feel, I know that I would be nowhere without the women entrepreneurs in this area and just the women in my life supporting me. So one of the things I'm very excited about moving into a commercial space is um, having a space for other small businesses hopefully women-owned businesses, to have pop-ups in our storefront so that they can expose their product to potential customers in a very cost-effective yet high-traffic area. So that's part of the grant that really excites me and makes me very happy. Oh, uh, that must be, you know, a great thing to do, to be able to give visibility to others and encourage them and, uh, you know, help them grow is such a good thing. And I know there must have been several challenges that you faced being a woman in business. So what was it that you faced and how did this growth happen? I 
feel that um, I should say that I face many challenges, but I really do believe that I'm very, very lucky to be living in Virginia. Every single thing I needed from the standpoint of zoning, developing a commercial kitchen, having a product that's tested and is shelf stable, the um, the county of Fairfax and the state of Virginia have just guided me. And all the help that I've gotten from women who have started similar ventures, I just feel that um, it's been, you know, it's a lot of work, but um, there really haven't been that many hurdles because the community just supports us so much. So I wish I had more challenges to share with you, but that's it. As much as I would want more stories to come out, I think it is just so nice and comforting to know that you had so much support right there. So with this being homemade and with COVID having slowed things down, I know you uh, are transitioning to a manufacturing facility. How big is your manufacturing facility and where's your supply focus right now? So we're happy, we're hoping to have what's called a flex space, which is a manufacturing facility combined with a storefront. And we're hoping to have about a thousand um, square feet of space to do both these activities. And mm-hmm. we're really hoping to have it um, somewhere in the Northern Virginia area, hopefully in Reston, which is of course my hometown and where I get lots of teenage workers for me. Yeah, so you are bringing jobs in. And uh, I know you were, um, the county recognized you specifically for like uh, five new jobs. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. So where do you see yourself, Radhika, in the next couple of years? As a business grad from Georgetown, you have succeeded in sporting several different hats in your career. Uh, what's your advice to students and business people looking to succeed? And where personally do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Well, every business owner will say that they want exponential growth in the next couple of years. Um, I would like to continue to be agile and nimble and seize opportunities uh, where they come along. Um, the interesting thing that I've realized is that your business is really an extension of your personality. And all the business decisions I make are extend, are an extension of my desire to do the right thing for my community, do the right thing for the environment. And I found more and more, especially when I go back to Georgetown and engage with the students who are studying there now, that it's really important to start a business that you're passionate about and that really holds true to your personal values. And mm-hmm. if you do that, you will probably find success. And that's, um, I'm still on the journey myself. So I don't have much more wisdom to impart. Well, I can recognize that, you know, you were a solopreneur and uh, you, you are kind of still, you know, transitioning to offering jobs to other people and expanding the business. Um, how important was that transition or transformation from being a solopreneur to now the stage of being able to offer jobs And how did it feel personally to you given 2020 and COVID? I think um, working for other companies and starting up businesses for them is very different from being out on your own. And um, when I first started hiring people to either run farmer's markets for me 
um, train them in doing production of peanut butter or run demos at Whole Foods for me um, because this is an extension of my life and myself. It was a little bit scary. And then I soon realized that the people who are attracted to homemade peanut butter actually do their jobs almost better than I can do it, do them. So I think <laughs> that um, my fear was alleviated by knowing that the people who work for Omade are just so passionate about the peanut butter and they're so competent that I'm happy now. So you mentioned Whole Foods. Are you uh, nationally with them or uh, are you right now supplying everything within the state of Virginia? Uh, how far is the reach for homemade peanut butter, say for any consumer or potential consumer uh, that's listening to the show and that wants to order homemade peanut butter? So um, the Whole Foods in the DMV area, so D.C., Maryland and Virginia, carry our products. Of course, their shelf space is limited. So some of them will carry five products. Some of them will carry only a couple flavors. Mm -hmm. um, however, we have sent um, homemade peanut butter to 44 states and the District of Columbia. So the best way to get the full range of our products, which I think there are 15 or 20 different products on the website, is really to go online and order it and we'll ship it. And um, if you want to know the states that we're lacking, go on our Instagram. And anyone who sends the first order to their states always gets a little bonus in their order. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, being a newbie in uh, anything, you know, matters. And there have been so many COVID storylines and most of it has been survival strategies. Did you find yourself in that situation? Earlier this uh, summer... Uh, when COVID really um, had showed us what our economy was going to be like, I was listening to a podcast called How I Built This, and Danny Meyer from Shake Shack was on it. And mm -hmm. I think, um, and don't quote me on the statistic, but he said some businesses in the food industry have suffered as much of an, as an 80% loss in their revenue. And of course, Omade Peanut Butter had the same decline in revenue, especially in the stores themselves, because people were not able to try our peanut butter. But then, interestingly enough, I saw a huge shift to online selling, and we have broken every record for online sales that we had set from the beginning. And so our online sales have gone up exponentially, especially from people who've been customers sending our peanut butter to family and friends who they haven't seen for a while. And some of the notes they send are really comforting. They'll say, you know, we know it's been a rough year. This mm -hmm. is going to make you happy. Or this is the best peanut butter in the world. It's going to put a smile on your face. Or here's some peanut butter. It'll get you through the elections. So <laughs> it's been really, really nice. I mean, just really uplifting to see people sending something they love to um, their family and friends that they probably won't see for another few months. So companies definitely uh, are trending in different directions, trying to revisit their strategies um, with COVID and post-COVID. And probably we are going to see uh, many emerge with new products, services, markets, uh, because a lot of them had to make masks and sanitizers and uh, instead of T-shirts and whatnot. So is your online marketing and is your um, online shop and selling 
as part of something that you would categorize here as a new strategy uh, with COVID? I think I definitely would. Um, previously, as with many food companies, um, the focus was to get into more and more retailers. But if you think about the profitability angle, it's much more profitable and much more one-on-one to engage with your consumers online because you can engage with them through email marketing. If they have a question, you're right there to answer it. Within minutes, you can send them a response. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of my customers are now my friends. <laughs> oh, why not? Uh, I think digital marketing has paved the way for all of that, hasn't it? Well, it just helps you talk to people rather than just keep selling them your product. It helps you build connections with people all over the country, which is just beautiful. Oh, I totally agree with that. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. So if there was one moment, Radhika, you could rewrite in this journey. Of course, you have had a delightful journey, but if there was one moment that you could rewrite, what would that be? And what would you also highlight as one major factor for your success? Um, I have to be honest, in the beginning, when I was rolling out new flavors, or I think Jai Nirvana was the fourth flavor that I rolled out, mm-hmm. I was so hell-bent on making everything ultra-healthy that I didn't put any cane sugar in it whatsoever. So it was just the chai spices without any of the sweetness that we have when we normally drink chai. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think that, you know, compromising a little bit and saying a few grams of sugar is okay, rather than saying absolutely no sugar anywhere. So that was, um, it was interesting to try to sell that in the beginning, but um, because we were just in farmer's markets, it was um, easy to, make that mind that a shift in the mindset and then, you know, start introducing very, very little quantities of sugar, but just enough. So that was an interesting bit of learning. And I think some of the one thing that has really propelled us and given us quite a bit of credibility is Whole Foods taking a chance on us. And again, I'll come back to my customers. Um, it turns out Whole Foods is not going to introduce any nut butters in the year that they introduced us. And when I became friendly with the Whole Foods um, decision makers, they said that basically my customers started going to the local Whole Foods and saying, why don't you carry this on your shelves? Mm-hmm. So that was, and you know, being in Whole Foods, you have to go through so much certification and um, so many steps in the confirmation process that it really gives you a tra- stamp of credibility. So I guess, again, the bottom line there is, how you establish with your customers and the rapport that you share, all that is what has um, helped uh, them or rather helped you in them going to the Whole Foods store manager or whomever to try and sort of canvas for you and make uh, your product more visible. And that's a fantastic thing. And as far as your uh, learning with the addition of the cane sugar. And so I guess that was a balancing act. So I think the message there is, you know, try to balance what you do uh, for the benefit of the customer again. Um, that's that's a good, uh, good thing to say, good thing to highlight here. So how can small businesses 
thrive in this pandemic-driven world. I guess we now that vaccines are here, you know, we are just starting to probably see a different phase, uh, hopefully, but they are also talking about a new strain emerging. But I guess now is the time for everyone to wake up and be prepared for, say, any eventuality. Uh, I hope nothing arises in the future, but what will small businesses need to do to thrive? And how did your association with Cultivate help you? Well, We Cultivate is a really good venture. Um, I've always supported giving back in um, both volunteer activities and economically to the communities we live in. So I really appreciate people highlighting companies that are um, made in America that have made in America products because mm-hmm. we pay a good wage to our fellow citizens and residents. And that's extremely important to lift us all up. So we cultivate is just a great venture and more and more of us need to support our own country. Of course, support the world as well, but um, you know, support our farmers and our producers Um, As for advice for small businesses, I'm always open to advice because I'm quite a small business. (laughs) But um, just, you know, what we're doing for Omade is we're just still trying to stay nimble, keep our costs as low as they can be so that we can um, really stay afloat and be around when the world starts um, returning to a more normal place. And, you know, personally, um, my motto is, just a few more months, just stay safe, you know, batten down the hatches for a few more months until things have settled down a bit. We've done it for nine months now. We can do it for a few months more. Oh, yeah. Perseverance. Um, Resilience is a huge word that we have all learned in 2020. And um, so I guess is building a community the key to Growing a small business, like I guess that seems to resonate so well in your case. So is that something that businesses should focus on, especially small businesses, solopreneurs and such? I think there is a difference between building a community for the sake of getting something out of it and building a community because you recognize you all live interconnected. So I think the latter is just a way that different people decide to live. And um, I think that when you build the community you live in, you may never need their help. But then after 20 or in my case, 30 years of living in this same community, when I did start a business, people came out of the woodwork to now support me. Mm -hmm. I've been supporting my community. So I think it's it's much more um, just you do what you can for your community as and when you can do it. And then maybe when you find that you're in a position to take some help, people will come out and help you. So I think it's much more just how you live your life and what you want to contribute to where you live. Absolutely. And again, the encouragement comes back. The quality of the product lies in the hands of the business owner. So what we deliver matters, certainly. As a takeaway for listeners. Well, I'm or, going to interrupt you there. I don't think my friends are happy that I make this peanut butter because they're eating way more peanut butter than they ever thought they would. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it's a good thing. They're enjoying you more and more in a different form. So that's perfect. That suits uh, the forum. So as a takeaway for listeners, anything or anyone to emulate that you'd say? Well, that's a good question. I feel like right now we have, um, especially for women of color in America and immigrants like myself, we have an embarrassment of riches. Um, of course, top on my list is Kamala Harris because her parents were immigrants. She's a woman of color who um, has a career in a male-dominated industry. So um, right now it's her. Okay. And um, how can listeners get connected with your product? Do you want to give out some uh, website information, your social media or anything that way? Uh, they'll know where to find homemade PB. Yeah, it's all of my um, my website, all of my social handles. They're all homemade PB, and I tell people homemade rhymes with homemade. So o m m a d e p b dot com. Fantastic! It was such a pleasure having this conversation with you, and I certainly look forward to enjoying more and more of that peanut butter. And I'm sure many of our listeners would not just enjoy your peanut butter, but at the same time derive such an inspiration. What started as, you know, a need for your son to be well-fed has now become um, a very common thing in several households. And I definitely Look forward to having more conversations with you in the future and wish you the very best in your journey. And uh, uh, we just hope to see uh, homemade PB in our own Whole Foods and several other stores here. Thank you so much for joining me here on Freshly Forever today, Radhika. Thank you so much, Mai. This was tons of fun. Fantastic. Before I sign off, folks, I'd like to remind you to keep that feedback coming. I'm just so thrilled to see those every single time and uh, be sure to rate the podcast and follow the podcast at Fresh Leaf Forever on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever One on Twitter. The Facebook page is Fresh Leaf Forever and the website is www.freshleafforever.com and that's one word. I'll see you back again next week with another interesting guest and another interesting topic. Until then, it's Vi saying bye-bye for now.